Early on in his Manchester United tenure, Eric Ten Hag's side were shredded at Brentford. To the Dutchman's credit, he turned the season around after a poor start, qualified for the Champions League and won the League Cup. But credit in the bank disappears quickly at Old Trafford. And as the Red Devils prepare to face the Bees once again, they are sifting through the wreckage of one of their worst ever starts to a season. To make matters worse, they've lost both of their Champions League matches. Can Ten Hag succeed eventually where many of Sir Alex Ferguson's other successors have failed? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Now, you may remember that we were very sceptical about United ahead of that Galatasaray defeat in midweek on our Champions League show. And I have the same top-tipping team with me now, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, we did say that Gala's attacking talent would cause some problems. I don't think we quite expected United to give them as much of a helping hand as they did. No, no. Um, I would probably have been a bit more sceptical about Galatasaray than, than the other lads who called it absolutely spot on. Um, you know, there's a lot of individual quality in, in the Galatasaray team, but I think as a collective unit going into European competition against one of the big six teams in the Premier League, I still expected more from United, a lot more from United. And, um, you know, I think we could probably tell a lot from Galatasaray from that match day one fixture against Copenhagen, where they they coughed up that advantage and were quite kind of fortunate to hold on uh, against the Danish champions. So, what happened in midweek was was pretty horrifying, really. And, you know, it's hard to kind of find more words to describe where United are at at the minute because we talk about them every week, it seems. It's been utterly abysmal, uh, as was midweek. Now lost both Champions League games uh, for the first time ever. They've also obviously lost to Palace last weekend, a fourth league defeat in seven, their worst start since 1989. Across all competitions, it's six defeats in 10, conceding 18 goals. That's their worst defensive return after 10 games since 1966 and uh, you know they're throwing up some horrendous stats every week and you know they're aiming to avoid a third successive home defeat this weekend for the first time since 1979 so they're breaking records all over the place and um, you know when they have won it's been anything but convincing as well you know you go back to Wolves on the opening day the Forest match at Old Trafford the narrow away win at Burnley as well so you know pressure is massively building on Ten Hag. He's had it tough. There's no doubt about it. He's lost both left backs. The replacement Reguilón's also injured. So you've got Amrabat you know, as a makeshift left back. I'm not even sure that's the right option for him to be taking. Uh, you know you could possibly play someone like Lindelof at right back and move Dallow over to left back. But um, that seems to make go. more sense, right? It does, and and that's shoving Amrabat kind of... out there because you yeah, lose that... what you would get from Amrabat in the middle. Exactly. And that's kind of been one of the weak points of United all throughout the campaign. So, you know, I'm not a football manager, so obviously I'm missing something that Ten Hag is is seeing uh, or knowing. But, um, you know, Martinez is out for three months, which means they're weaker in the heart of defence. It also means they're weaker in possession, which kind of gives Anana fewer sort of passing options. So he's looked even even worse than he really is. Obviously, shot stopping has been dreadful as well. Then you've got the Sancho incident, the off-field issues from, from back in the summer with Mason Greenwood and Anthony as well. So, you know, I think it told you a lot last week when chasing the game against Crystal Palace that they had to bring on Donny van der Beek and Harry Maguire. So it's not a great reflection on where United are right now and sort of seeing them at 173 at home to Brentford would probably ordinarily be quite a, a straightforward home selection here, but it absolutely cannot be for me at the minute. Um, 
you know, exclude penalties and United are returning a negative expected goals process with the eye test as well as the data. It's it's very hard to be positive about that kind of price. So for, my, for me, it's just about flipping it around and backing Brentford plus one on the Asian handicap at 175. Uh, United would need to win by two clear goals uh, at least to see your stake lost. And um, yeah, I mean, you look at Brentford and you think, well, they have regressed and, and that's perhaps understandable when you've lost Raya, Tony, injuries to Ben Mee, Rico Henry, Kevin Sharda, but... They were appalling against Everton on TV a fortnight ago, but Thomas Frank did say they bounced back. Um, they competed really well against Arsenal in the Cup and then really matched Nottingham Forest last weekend. Scored from a set piece, kind of standard really, but uh, offered plenty in the final third and were the better team for the last hour of the game. Um, and if you look at their campaign so far, they've dropped eight points from winning positions. So they've not exactly been far away from getting more than just one win uh, to their name. And I just think stylistically too, this might suit them because... There's an incredible stat going around that Brentford have won just one Premier League game when having more possession than their opposition since the start of 22-23. They shouldn't be dominating possession here. You'd expect United to have more ball and that should allow Brentford to play their more natural game, uh, sort of direct counter-attacks when they do turn possession over. I thought they were very competitive and very decent at Newcastle not long ago. And if you look across all Premier League games, home and away, Brentford have been beaten by two goals or more just once in 34 league matches now. So, you know, that's almost a calendar year's worth of football and just the one league loss by more than one goal. So uh, they were impressive. Um, last season, I think United only won here 1-0. And as you say, the, the early game uh, between the two was a hands-down victory for Brentford. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd quite happily have Brentford on side here with, with a decent start. Trader, tipster and long-suffering United fan Emmett O'Keefe joins us. Emmett, welcome to your latest therapy session. Away you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I'm kind of trying to think of things I, I've, I've, that I've, I haven't said before about United. It's kind of... You there were some new you, ones in midweek. <laughs> there some new ones in midweek, yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of... From I guess let's let's start with the glass half full kind of a point of view is that at least for United I think the the Hoyland signing potentially looks like it might it, it might at least work he's sh- he's showing kind of flashes of 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 um, massive ability which is which which is what you want to see I think there's I think like the process around United signing has been a huge is- issue in kind of in in the kind of post Ferguson era but I think Hoyland so far so far anyway at least at least has shown flashes. And that's but that's that's the only positive. I think the that was quick. <laughs> that's that's that was that quick. out yeah, of the way. Yeah, I think like there's like there's there's some elements to randomness. I feel like in ter- like in in the game that United I think were largely kind of in control of the match, and then just gave up kind of gave up ridiculous goals, and obviously the game really turned when when United were quite a, a, down to ten men. Um, but I I I, I think I. Like like Marco Hersa, that I think it's it's hard to have any confidence in them at their current price, especially as he said. I think like Brentford revel in this revel, revel in this kind of scenario where they can sit back and, and, and kind of play without pressure. They won it. They won at Man City last season. They beat Liverpool at home last season. There, and, and Mark mentioned the statistic about them so rare, so rarely being hammered or kind of beaten comfortably. It all points to kind of a really nervy type of game, and just also as well, it's worth mentioning. Like Wilfred Zaha's goal was came from a kind of a long punt downfield. Like Brentford will love that. Like that's their yeah. that's their bread and butter. Is like in Bayern. Obviously, it's it's even better when Tony's playing because he's a an aerial force. Like few strikers are in the Premier League, but even still, Vissen and Bayern are, are both really physical strikers. I think they'll they'll be licking their lips playing like Victor Victor Lindelof who. Put it this way, yes, and he doesn't quite like the physical contact, and also doesn't really have the pace pace to stay with them. Um. 
like I think you, like last season United's defence was really held together by an outstanding Lissandra Martinez this season when Martinez has played he, ha- he hasn't he hasn't shown any of that form from last season it's not surprising it, it, it turned out that, that he that, that he was playing with an injury but while while he's absent while Luke Shaw's absent the, the United defence is just so vulnerable like the Lind- Lindelof and Varane isn't a isn't a top shelf top shelf centre half partnership in the Premier League by any means, and, and I think like Diogo Dalot, to be fair, has has improved, and I think he's quite quite solid defensively. Where you probably wouldn't have said that in previous years, but other than him, I think they United have very little to kind of hang their hat on. And I, th- I, I, I think given that, I think they have to try and by any any means possible get Amrabat into midfield and at least stop the flow of attacks coming coming towards that defence. That's that's United's only hope at the moment. Odds compiler and Maltese amateur football legend Mark Stinchcombe completes today's panel. Stinch, there are a lot of injuries. There's no getting away from that. There are a lot of players that Ten Hag would like to use that he's not been able to. They've been on this awful run. The system that Ten Hag is trying to implement clearly isn't working, but you can understand why he would stick with it. But it's just a horrible mix at the moment, isn't it, of lots of players injured, low confidence and other teams pretty much working out what United are trying to do and blocking them off from doing that. I'm not sure I'd describe it as horrible from a betting perspective. <laughs> been uh, rather enjoying horrible it. Horrible for them. Um, horrible for them. It, it's funny, Emmett, listing the, the issues again with, with United because it's the same issues that have been going on for 10 years, no? Ever since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson retired, numerous managers can't seem to get the the maximum out of the players that they have at their disposal um and probably is the the disconnect between the manager and the person buying the players not quite on the same wavelength for what they what they want to execute i think anyone that uh, likes money is definitely not back in man united at 1.73 so immediately you want to oppose them I think any logical person, that is the the way to go. And um, yeah, I think Brentford are um, a good a good team to to get on side, given their um, defensive uh, solidity compared against United's obvious weakness right now, especially with all the players missing. Uh, you know, Brentford just seven defeats in the last thirty three Premier League games, and as Mark mentioned, lost by more than a goal just twice. Um, it's really quite remarkable, isn't it? It shows what Thomas Frank has done to be able to take that Brentford team forward because it's one thing to come into the Premier League and kind of surprise, you know, they do the set pieces really well and everybody's not quite sure how to play them. That's one thing. To actually maintain it into a second season in the way that they have and now into a third season, it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we need to be a little bit cautious, I would say, with the, the absence of Ivan Tony. You know, we they have had a couple of setbacks in uh, in recent weeks. You know, the defeat at home to Everton, um, perhaps not managing to beat Bournemouth. Maybe should have beaten Forest, having an extra man for the majority of the yeah. second half. So um, we need to be a little bit wary there. But it, it's more from a defensive aspect that I'm happy to sort of get them on side, particularly given the way the game is likely to play with United being strong favourites. It will be them doing the majority of the attacking. I think um, just a quick shout out as well. We gave a lot of Galatasaray players um, some good airtime uh, in midweek. We did mention Davinson Sanchez. Fair, fair play to him with the two assists. 
Um, <laughs> much maligned character in England, yes. obviously. So fair play to uh, Mr. Sanchez. But yeah, I mean, in that period of I mentioned with just seven defeats and 33 for Brentford, then you can see 35 goals. Now, very, very impressive. And if you look at their results away against the top teams, uh, beating Man City 2-1, drew 1-1 at Arsenal, only lost 1-0 at both Liverpool, United and Spurs, actually. Uh, sorry, Newcastle. Beat Spurs 3-1, beat Chelsea 2-0 and held Brighton to a 3 all. So they've actually outscored all of those teams put together 11-9, uh, um, which is just fantastic. And not and some of them have been without Tony as well, or he hasn't actually been the one scoring the goals. So... Yeah, I think a lot of um, a lot of plaudits in Brentford's favour, and as as we are seeing, United are making a lot of uh, defensive mistakes, and we saw exactly what Brentford can do in that particular matchup, considering uh, the four 0 victory they claimed at home last season. So yeah, Brentford plus one around about one point eight on the exchange. United could win by a single goal, and we we'd get our money back. Worst case scenario. Now, I know that injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bets. You've now got 90-minute payout to rescue you if that's the case. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18plusbgambleaware.org. Elsewhere in the Premier League, Crystal Palace and Nottingham Forest have both made encouraging starts to the season. They take each other on at Selhurst Park, Emmett. Which way is this going? Because Palace, with 11 points on the board, would be pretty pleased with that. But I think Forest, even though they're three points worse off, they'd be fairly pleased, wouldn't they? Absolutely. I think the <clears throat> Forest strengths come out of a false position in that I think they've in, in that they've actually they've been really competitive against a very hard schedule. I think if you compare them, to, if you could especially compare it to what, what they were like last season, where they're kind of away from home, they were basically they're they're basically non competitive competitive and a near near guaranteed defeat every week. Already they've beaten Chelsea. They lost three two to Man United. They lost two two nil to Man City. But actually, <clears throat> Man City only had one point four one point three or one point four expected goals in that game. Which is actually very, which is very good going from Forest. The Forest could have scored, but I think also, and it was notable. I mean, Rod- Rodri went off in that game, didn't he? he was sent off, so I guess he was. That contributed to it a bit. Yeah, no, that's that, that's fair, but I, I still think even I still think the kind of the the big sample size I, I, I would suggest kind of a Forest team that are improved from last season. They have also kind of they, like against, against Brentford last week. They opened up on the market as underdogs, but actually there was a bit quite a big market move on them for them to go favourites on the day of the game. So again, I think that's that's kind of a positive in their favour that the the, the 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 market is with them, and I think they're they're playing Crystal Palace at a really good time here because. Ebrichi has a basically got a did did a, did a hamstring strain against Man United and is out of this game. So Palace are basically missing their first choice front three. So that's Michael Lise, Odson Edward, and Eze. I was at Old Trafford last week to watch Palace, and Eze was clearly their best player. He was kind of his his dribbling and his kind of initiating attacks. He's clear, he, like he's clearly their their main man. And for a club like Palace, like to lose all three of those players and have a front three of kind of more honest triers you have Jordan I use Jeffrey Schlupp type type guys I always I'm always have a go at Jeffrey Schlupp and I have this <laughs> podcast so I sure uh, I, I, I might as well keep going but I I think they I think there's just there's just a big drop in the there's just a big drop off there for Palace which I don't think the market's quite taking that into account 
I would actually be tempted to back Forrest um, for a straight win here at three point seven. I think I think I think I, I, I'd, I'd have Forrest closer to maybe three point two five. I'd be yeah, I'd back Forrest in all positive markets, double chance, drawn a bet, uh, and straight win. I think they they look they 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 look one of the one of the best value in the Premier League this weekend. And one of the reasons team news is so important, of course. Lots of EFL content this week. Mark, let's start with you. You want to start with Cheltenham against Derby County. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't uh, talked about Cheltenham Town yet this season um, on the podcast. They are enduring a record-breaking run in terms of EFL goal scoring. If you didn't know, um, in midweek they lost at home 2-0 to Fleetwood Town. It means in their opening 11 League One matches this season... Cheltenham Town have failed to score a goal, which is absolutely astonishing, no, really. In, in all of them? They failed to score, yeah. Um, they've, they've blanked in <laughs> oh all 11 God. games. But what's quite funny is um, they've played 13 matches across all competitions now, if you include the, the Football League trophy and the League Cup. They've failed to score in 12 of those games. They have scored in one of those matches. But the funny thing is, the goal that they scored was actually an own goal. So Brilliant. 13 games into the season, no player from Cheltenham Town has actually scored a goal for their club. If you include stoppage time, uh, you just allow sort of five minutes in each game for stoppage time. You're basically looking at over 20 hours of football that no Cheltenham Town player has scored this season. It's genuinely quite this, astonishing stuff. This must be a record, right? Or is it not? Is somebody, it's a domestic record. Um, I haven't heard if it's, uh, it kind of goes beyond that. But I'm sure to start a season with 11 blanks has to be up there with some of the, the worst records in world football. Um, wow. Yeah, it is incredible. Um, so it's obviously prompted the club the club to, uh, to ditch uh, Wade Elliott. I think they've made a really smart appointment, though, uh, last week to get Daryl Clark in, uh, a huge upgrade. But uh, sort of the midweek defeat suggests he's still got quite a lot of work to do there. Um, and they welcomed Derby this weekend. Uh, and that's obviously a, a difficult task. Uh, Cheltenham were pre-season relegation favourites and Derby were pre-season favourites to win the league. So, um, you know, Derby can be or were, be, were able to, to sort of be backed at some reasonable prices. But the, the market has moved quite significantly in their favour, understandably, uh, in the last 24 hours or so. Uh, so Derby to win was trade. Derby to win to nil was trading around 287 uh, which was a huge increase on Derby, which was about 1.66 just to win the game. But if you go into the correct score combinations on the Betfair Sportsbook, you can actually back Derby to win 1-0, 2-0 or 3-0 at 275. Um, so you're basically just ruling out uh, an absolute flogging. And I think Daryl Clark will stiffen Cheltenham up a little bit. They should be better defensively. And, and Derby so far this season has been brilliant away from home. Four wins from five. Two clean sheets in the last three games as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting Derby to win, obviously. Um, Cheltenham will score at some point. You just have to hope it's not going to be this weekend. Well, um, you've got to think so at some stage. <laughs> just a bit more on them. They're um, 11 games in. They're averaging just 0.61 non-penalty expected goals per game and 2.18 shots on target per game. They've allowed 11.36 shots in the box on average, which are pretty desperate figures. So... Derby should have enough to see them off. So, yeah, back in the sort of correct score combo, the 1-0, 2-0 and the 3-0 at 275. I used to commentate on Cheltenham back in the day. My voice would have been kept pristine by the sound of it, not commentating on any Cheltenham goals. Why has this happened, Mark? Why are the Robins struggling so much? Is it they've just got no money or they've bought the wrong yeah, they, players? They lost the What's going on? Top goal scorer Alfie May left in the summer. Um he, uh, he scored over 20 goals from last season, which is right. a, an incredible haul for a sort of bottom six team. So, um, 
they've obviously haven't replaced that void. A bit of luck as well. Um, you know, they have probably done enough to score in a couple of games, but it just hasn't happened for them. So, uh, and I guess once you get past sort of five, six goalless games, confidence is zapped from the team as well. So, um, I do expect them to improve in, in the coming weeks with, with Daryl Clark at the helm, but it's got an enormous task. Oh, sounds like it. Uh, let's move across to Notts County. They seem to have a bit more firepower. They're away at Barrow, Stinch. Yeah, Notts County are absolutely fantastic. And I, I would be surprised if they're not a League One team at the end of the season. Um, top of the league, three points clear, seven wins from 11. Second top goal scorers in the league. Um, non-league Harland, Macaulay Langstaff, he's, he's taken to League Two already, eight goals. Uh, David McGoldrick and Dan Crowley, just exceptional signings for the, for this level. Um, they're playing just in behind Langstaff. They've both got five goals apiece. You've got Jody Jones creating chances for fun from from wing back. Yeah, they're just a fantastic team. And I'm really surprised that they're, they're 11 to 10 this weekend at Barrow. Um, Barrow, the fourth lowest scorers in the league with just 12 goals in 10 games. They've won four matches. That makes them look like 70s Brazil compared to Cheltenham. <laughs> um, yeah, League Two is fantastic for goals this season. If you're ever like struggling for, a, you know, add a add a another selection to your over 2.5 accumulator. Yeah, just delve into League Two. You could blindly pick one probably. Um, but yeah, they've won four games, Barrow, but they've all come against the bottom six. Um, they managed to hold a, a Paul Mullen less Wrexham to a 1-1 draw, but the expected goals was massively in Wrexham's favour, 2.25 to just 0.2. Uh, they conceded five big chances in that game. Um, the other... The other barometer, really, for for performances against the other big team in League Two in Stockport, uh, and they lost one nil there, but they conceded three big chances and they created uh, very little themselves, less than 0.5 expected goals. So with Notts County averaging the highest possession in the league at 62%, it's going to be them controlling the game. So given the fact that uh, Notts County are odds against, we can actually back the minus a quarter on the Asian handicap around about 1.85. So we get that extra security that if it finishes in a draw, we'll get half our money back. Just looks a fantastic bet to me. Let's go to Shrewsbury, shall we? Shrewsbury against Northampton. Mark, what have you got for us? Yeah, I'd echo what Stinch was saying. League Two is the place to be this season for, for goals and entertainment. We said that in our pre-season previews as well, that League Two was the, the one to watch. Uh, League One is not the one to watch if you're in your EFL. Um, it's the lowest scoring of the three divisions, <clears throat> uh, just 2.4 goals per game. 27% of all matches have featured a maximum of one goal. And if you look at the sort of correct score favourites, three of the top four are all under two and a half goals based. Um, and I think there's a great opportunity here to oppose goals. Um, because Shrewsbury and Northampton have collectively played 20 League One matches. They failed to score in 10 of those 20 combined. Now, Shrewsbury have taken a big part of that slack because they failed to score in seven of 10. Not quite as bad as Cheltenham, but not far off it. God, we're uh, full of each... joy this week, can't we? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find the most boring teams in England. Right, OK. Well, they've each uh, they've <laughs> each recorded three clean sheets, uh, but it just means that if you combine their numbers so far this season, both teams to score no has been the correct selection in 15 of their combined 20 matches. A repeat this weekend is even money, uh, and that is my play, because I've no idea how BTTS No is the outsider of the two in the both teams to score market. Shrewsbury games are averaging 1.9 goals. Half of those matches have produced a maximum of one goal. 
And the MPXG, the non-penalty expected goals per game, comes in at 1.89. So bang in line with their actual goals per game output. So matches involving Shrewsbury tend to be dull affairs. Northampton's matches have seen 2.4 goals per game. But again, half of their 10 have gone under 1.5 goals. And the MPXG is even lower than Shrewsbury. It's 1.85 per game. So I've absolutely no idea how or why BTTS is trading as the favourite of the two. So I'm quite happy to back Betfair's even money option of both teams to score no when Shrewsbury take on Northampton. And in the National League, we're off to my neck of the woods, Boreham Wood against Chesterfield. Stinch. Yeah, Do we have another some goals one. here? Some entertainment, yeah. maybe? Yeah, I would expect so. Chesterfield, uh, another one of my favourite teams to, to side with this season, having a fantastic start. And again, they I will be surprised if they're not a League Two team at, come the end of the season. Top of the league already, three points clear, 11 wins from 14, joint top goal scorers with 34 goals. But it's not surprising. Uh, they spent a lot of money in the summer. They've got an awful amount of attacking talent for this level. Um, it's ridiculous, really. Will Grigg, Ryan Colclough, Armando Dobra, Liam Mandeville, uh, even Quigley off the bench. They've, they've just got you know, a fantastic attack. And they've actually got goals all over the park. You've got nine different players already that have netted two goals or more. Um, they're 17 to 20 to win away at Boreham Wood, which again, I think is is too big. The average odds this season so far have been just four to seven. Uh, Boreham Wood themselves are 17th. They've won just three games. Um, second place Barnet and third place Solihull have already been there and won. And when Chesterfield won in uh, midweek against Bromley, uh, they were able to start all of Grigg, Colclough and Mandeville on the bench. So for me, that's that's really key. I think they're going to be really fresh. I mean, the, the football league, the games come thick and fast. So being able to rotate when you can. Uh, and that Bromley game was quite tough, actually. So fair play to Paul Cook for for taking the chance and, uh, and resting those players. So yeah, Chesterfield 17 to 20. I think, again, another fantastic bet. They might go off shorter, but I would definitely have them more in the sort of 8-13 to 13, uh, bracket. Worth bearing in mind, Betfair's offering a completely free acca on football this weekend, but you do have to opt in to claim your free bets. T's and C's apply 18 plus begambleaware.org. Maybe you could take our lead and put together some of the most boring teams in the world. Maybe that would be the way you would go with your free acca this weekend. Uh, Inter Milan flying in Serie A and indeed the Champions League. Got a good win in midweek. They face Bologna. Emmett, this feels like a comfortable win for the Nerazzurri. That's what I'm hoping for for this bet anyway. Yeah, the, the angler like here is um, Lautaro Martinez, who's who's on course for probably possibly the best season in what's been a very good career. He's nine goals in his first seven Serie A matches. He's the best non-penalty expected goals in Serie A. It's early days this season, but himself and Marcus Thuram's production is starting to resemble the kind of Lukaku-Lautaro partnership a few years yeah. ago in the sense that as well that Lukaku, despite what people might think, it was actually a real facilitator for Lautaro. Like Lukaku in latter seasons in Inter was averaging over 10 10 assists per season. And it was a totally different player. So what you want to see in the Premier League. And similarly, Turam actually has four assists in his first seven matches already. So I think that's the thing with Lautaro Martinez. He's a very good player, but he's not really a lone striker. He needs that kind of foil. And and Turam has been superb in that regard. And in a match against Blondie, where Inter expected dominate I'm happy to take um around 10 to 10 to 11 on Martinez to score and I have a couple we just more got four uh, in one score. game against Salernitana didn't he yeah 
off the bench. I think it was the first player in Serie A history maybe to do that. Oh, it was definitely one. I think it's obviously, you don't see many players coming off the bench and scoring four goals. Um, no. So yeah, I think, and I also have a couple more goal score selections uh, in, in uh, one in today's pod and one in the Sundays. And Sunday's pod where all the cool kids go. So if you wanted to do a goal score travel, there's a few selections coming for you. Wonderful. Um, it's going to drip feed them throughout the weekend. Super stuff. Uh, in the German Bundesliga, I'm going to back RB Leipzig to score three goals or more against Bochum at 17-10 on the sportsbook. Leipzig have won four of their six league games so far. They've scored at least three times in three of those four victories. If you look at their home form over the last few months, they've won 16 of the last 21 home games in the Bundesliga. In 10 of those 16 wins, they've scored three goals or more. Bochum are trash away from home. They have been for absolutely ages. They've lost 15 of the last 21 away games in the Bundesliga. If you look at those 15 losses, they've conceded at least three goals in 12 of them. And recently they were hammered 7-0 at Bayern Munich. Elsewhere in Germany, Augsburg against Darmstadt. Marco Hare, let me guess. Goals, goals, goals. You reckon? <laughs> Obviously. Um if I could believe the prices when I saw them. Could not believe yeah. them. If you're going to give us 176 on a general Bundesliga game, I'll take it. But when it's Augsburg versus Darmstadt, absolutely taking it. Um, these two have been amongst the, the league leaders for sort of goal field games so far this season, especially Darmstadt, who are newly promoted. Uh, their six fixtures are averaging an enormous 4.67 goals so far this season. Uh, five of the six have gone over three and a half, let alone two and a half, and five of the six seen both teams scoring. They've actually scored in the last five. They've also considered two goals or more in each of the last five as well. So <clears throat> I watched them last weekend, beat Bremen 4-2. Very enjoyable match. Um, they should be incredibly entertaining and enterprising. They'll see this as a winnable fixture away at Augsburg, who are certainly down there and should be down there in the bottom six battle with them. Uh, I just find Augsburg quite a, a bit of a, a sort of Jekyll and Hyde type side yeah. uh, between home and away performances. And it's been that way for quite a long time, really. They've lost all three away games this season, but they've taken five points from three home fixtures. But you look at the home fixtures, they've scored eight times. They've conceded seven. We've had a 4-4 draw, a 2-2 draw and a 2-1 win. Uh, they get to keep a clean sheet across all venues. They've also conceded two goals in five or six games, as have Darmstadt. And uh, Augsburg have seen over two and a half goals in five or six, and both teams have scored in four or six. So, yeah, my sort of uh, tissue prices here had over two and a half goals at about 1.6. Um, so 1.76 is a, a decent difference there. So I'm more than happy to keep kind of batting these overs bets in, in the Bundesliga if you're keeping us these kind of prices. And it's nice to hear you, you sound like you agree. Oh, absolutely. And over three and a half is 2.92. So that's where I've gone in my uh, weekend column on betting.betfair.com. I just thought that was an extraordinary price for over three and a half goals. Uh, let's go to Spain, shall we? Girona did pretty well against Real Madrid last week, despite the fact they lost 3-0. I know that sounds insane, but actually Girona started the game ever so well. Emmett, they faced Cadiz and actually Girona should be fairly fairly in good spirits because I know they lost heavily but actually played pretty well. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, it's kind of Real have been running hot this year in terms of kind of defending badly, but kind of uh, but but kind of get, get, getting away with it in in La Liga in terms in terms of poor finishing and kind of good good 
good goalkeeping. We saw them kind of do kind of pull off a similar trick in midweek when Napoli kind of dominated the game, unexpected goals, had the better chances, but they managed to take it. So, but thankfully for Girona, they aren't playing Real Madrid this week. But I think Girona, it's, what's interesting to me is, like we kind of mentioned this last week, they're a real outlier for, for La Liga. So, like last season in La Liga, I won't talk about this season because it's kind of a small enough sample size, but last season in La Liga, they were the lowest scoring of kind of Europe's top five leagues, averaging kind of 2.51 goal goals per game but Girona kind of booked that booked that trend really over 58% of their games last season went to over two and a half goal over two and a half goals this season 75% of their matches have gone over, over two and a half goals so I think that they're kind of they're a bit of an outlier and sometimes we see with these goal lines a lot of it's kind of done on league averages and I think sometimes if you have a team that's kind of an outlier as we've seen kind of with Brighton the Premier League you can get a bit of value there so if you're getting odds against on over two and a half goals in a in a Girona game like, like we are now I'm happy to take it You've got another pick from La Liga for us as well and that does involve Real Madrid you're right they're, they're a strange team aren't they because they've had a lot of narrow escapes in games. Bellingham star power has got them out of a few holes already this season. Nice to see him being compared in the Spanish media to Diego Maradona and Alfredo Di Stefano this week. So nice that they're retaining a sense of perspective. Uh, Real Madrid have got Osasuna this week. Yeah, I'll go for a big comparison. That really reminded me of Zidane, the goal he scored during the week was the the kind of the the kind of balletic grace, the dribbling ability, and just for 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 you rarely just rarely see a midfielder with that size who's that dribbling ability. It's just I think like some I think like a lot of time as Irish people we feel like English people get ahead of themselves in terms of hyping players, but I think this I think we, the, the, for this player deserves all the hype. I think that the goal he scored during the week is, is spectacular, and for a guy going to a new country, going to the biggest club in the world going to a club as well but if you start badly the media can really turn on you I think yeah. you have to give you have to, you have to give Bellingham, Bellingham huge credit but I'm kind of good for in terms of my second goal score pick here I'm looking at a slightly lesser profile player and that is Hosselu yes Real, so he's, he's some Hosselu love yes yeah, so he's been a kind of a journeyman striker. Real Madrid are kind of bought him this year as a kind of a stopgap to tide them over for a year, basically before they hopefully get, um, hopefully get him in Mbappe next summer. They also have a kind of a very promising um, striker on, on loan in Brazil, so they're kind of they, 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 that's that, that's what they're they're looking to, to do for that striker and just hoping Hoslu gets them by in a league. And to be fair, so far he has. That what they've done is they've kind of used him as the flat track bully against the La Liga Leicester Lights, and they haven't started him in the Champions League and didn't start him in the Madrid derby. But in it's but it's, it's worked in that like all, all four of his league starts this season. He's he 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 scored his expected goals per ninety is is like is the best in the league for all players who've kind of made it kind of as who've played a certain certain number of minutes. And in a match where Real Madrid are one to four to win the match against Osasuna, I'm more than happy to take eleven to ten on Hostel to score any time. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature that, of course, has inspired the idea of making Marco Hare's betting life into a film. Regular listeners and viewers will know that Jeff Goldblum was told in no uncertain terms he would not be getting the job. He would not be playing Mark in that film. Mark said he would think of some ideas about who could could play him uh, in this film of his life. Mark, any other casting ideas? Who am I going to? Which agents am I getting involved with over the next few weeks uh i forgot to do my homework um on this um unfortunately um 
I can tell you an, an actor I do like that might be a little bit of a surprise. Okay, know. go on then. Tim, Tim Roth. I like his stuff. I think he's very good, but probably wouldn't be suitable for me. Okay. Um, wouldn't um, be the first yeah. name I'd think, but okay. Ch- chuck yeah. some names my way and I'll, I'll give you a quick yeah or no. That was that was your that was supposed to be your job. I know, I know, I know. Think of I know, these I know. ideas. Busy week, Emmett, isn't it, Kev? Emmett, who who jumps out at you that's gonna play Mark in this film? Um yeah, Tom Hanks is a bit old, so we won't, 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 won't go on him. Oh, I'd love Colin Farrell, though. I'd love Colin Farrell. But he's far too, far too good looking. Okay. Oh, God. I like yeah. that. Delete. I like that. Let's get let's get Farrell in to play the role. Stinch, any ideas? Who's going to play Mark? In terms of similar looks, the the oh, like nerd, the, ner- <laughs> the nerdy geek out of uh, Men in Black, <laughs> I think would be a good... Uh, so there we go. So we've gone. So we've gone from Colin Farrell to the nerdy geek in Men in Black. So we've got a nice range there. Uh, of Making thoughts. a note of this, Dinchcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to use I'm just that. Talking as... in facts, like I've not no <laughs> no opinion. Look, Hollywood's brutal business, Mark. You've got to really think about these things. That Stinch is just thinking. You know what's going to work for this film? Okay, it's a good franchise. Well, Going forward, Mark, you've got to be thinking who's going to play you. This is I'm not going to let this lie. Uh, how this <laughs> works with the podcast treble, by the way, is that each of the guys comes up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action and lovely traders like Emmett wrap them up for you in a boosted treble. And go on, Colin Farrell, I'll start with you. <laughs> uh, both teams to score Augsburg against uh, Darmstadt. Lovely. Emmett. Um, we'll go for Palace winner draw double chance against sorry um, Forest winner draw double chance against Palace lovely stuff and Stinch take us home uh, the best team in the world to win on Sunday Man City at 6-4 to four to boost the treble up by two and a half times like that is just an enormous prize for City and we will be talking about that a lot more in the Sunday show so make sure you catch that finally the Feature that's done more for Scottish tourism than the Loch Ness Monster and Braveheart combined. It is Mark O'Hare's Scotwatch. Mark, take it away. Yeah, nice winner last week with BTTS No uh, easing home in St Mirren versus Hearts. I'm going into the championship this time around uh, over two and a half goals and both teams to score when Queen's Park played Greenock Morton uh, to desperately out of form sides, conceding far too many goals. Uh, but both have been actually all right going forwards. Uh, so Queen's Park started with three wins from three. They've since lost five on the spin, conceding 17 goals. Um, in all five fixtures, they conceded at least twice. Four of those five defeats, they conceded three goals or more. They have managed just one clean sheet all season, but they have scored in all bar one of their eight home uh, eight matches all season. So they're playing a Morton team who are bottom of the table. They did win on the opening day. They've since lost five of six winless games conceding three or more goals in four of those six. They have actually scored in all bar two of their matches this season. So you've got uh, five of their seven going over, five of their seven seeing BTTS. And for Queen's Park, it's six of eight over, six of eight for BTTS. So combined, you've got two struggling teams who have still managed to score in all bar three of their combined 15 fixtures, but have just managed one clean sheet between them. So both will see it as a a very winnable prospect to get back on the, the winning trail. So happy to support goals in that game. Um, we've covered Queen's Park previously, so I, I took a little look at uh, Green at Morton, a club founded in 1874, which makes them one of the oldest senior clubs in the UK. They were formed as Morton, but changed their name to Green at Morton in 1994 just to celebrate the uh, links with the hometown of Greenock. 
uh, Scottish Cup winners in 1922. Uh, they finished second, which was their best ever finish in 1917 behind Celtic. They actually hold the record for the most promotions to and the most relegations from the Scottish top flight. Uh, 10 promotions and 10 relegations, but they haven't been back to the top tier since 1988. Uh, they wow. play at Capilo Park, which uh, is a ground they've occupied since 1879. Uh, incredible. Um, a local railway actually runs immediately behind the main stand. So if you're on the train on match day, you will literally go past and get a decent view of the pitch as the train goes past and over the bridge, which is a, a very exciting experience for train travellers. I always enjoy seeing a football <laughs> pitch from the train. Um, yeah, Greenock was actually the location. your weekends there, Mark. <laughs> uh, Greenock was actually the location for the first official women's football match between England and Scotland way back in, a, in 1972 as well. So uh, a few things in their favour, not too much tasty information about the town. It's quite a, a heavily sort of a town focused on the port and shipping. So nothing too exciting. And unfortunately, I've got no information on how successful or not the local post office is this week. So that's Green at Morton. Disappointing. You set up a theme, you've got to run with it. I just like the idea <laughs> of Colin Farrell in this film being on a train, just whooping and hollering <laughs> as he goes past the tra- as he goes past the football stadium. Wonderful well, stuff. If that- just on a similar note, I, I, I live in Maidenhead. And if anyone is on the uh, sort of... Uh, Reading to London Line or further out west, uh, it does go past York Road and you get a tremendous pitch uh, view of the pitch as you go by. Uh, one of the best experiences in terms of seeing a stadium and football pitch from the train. Uh, there's a few others as well, but uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to leave you at home to decide whether that little section was more Colin Farrell or more the nerd from Men in Black. I'll let you decide. Uh, that's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Better. I'm only teasing, Mark. I do love Scott Watch, really. Uh, please do remember to gamble responsibly. As we've mentioned, we've got the Sunday show coming up. Our main feature of that is, of course, going to be Arsenal against Manchester City. All of these shows nowadays on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe link is in the description from Mark, from Emmett, from Stinch and from me. It's goodbye for now.